Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we have something different to offer our radio audience. Usually once a year, Pastor Harris answers Bible questions from his congregation. Since our pastor is known for his dry sense of humor, this series is known generally as Provoke the Pastor. Please listen as Pastor Jim gives biblical answers to these questions in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Pastoral Popery. But the, the legacy uh, standard Bible is um, backed by the very same people who produced the New American Standard Bible. The Lachman Foundation is the organization behind funding the New American Standard Bible and the New American Standard 1995 update. And uh, in this case, they have also sanctioned this, um, this further development. If you read the, when you read the Legacy Standard Bible, it's going to feel like you're reading the New American Standard Bible. Until a couple of places, you'll come across something and say, what? Well, the whole point is that they have worked to make it as close as possible to the original languages. You and I don't speak or read fluently biblical Hebrew or Greek. We have to rely upon a translation. When you have to use a translation, that puts a veil between you and what was originally written. We want that veil to be as thin as possible. We, we want to get as close as we can to what God actually inspired. And um, translations vary on the amount of rigor with which they try to, try to accomplish that. Uh, some of them blatantly go for the standard of readability in the receptor language, in our case, English. And, and that gets you into a lot of trouble because then you can play fast and loose with what the, the actual inspired text says. So the Legacy Standard Bible, the goal is to, be, to provide a resource for English readers, English speakers, to get as close to the original as possible. And so there's a lot of things where uh, there's maybe a theme word that gets repeated in Greek or Hebrew. And in traditional English translations, it, they've used different English words for different occurrences of the original word. And uh, there'll be things like that that'll be very uh, helpful for you. Um, we'll, we'll probably be introducing some of it to you. Uh, the, the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs has been published. Uh, I have a copy of that, and I very much enjoyed it, uh, what I've been able to use it for. There, uh, the, the rest of the Bible is done. It's in the category of uh, proofreading, um, uh, formatting, printing, uh, binding, and distributing. And that becomes a multinational kind of a thing. It's a great big process. The whole Bible is due to be released early in uh, early next year. And uh, we who attend the Shepherds Conference will receive a copy of it. And you'll be able to buy a copy if you would like to as well. Uh, it's a really interesting and I think going to be very helpful uh, product. If you want to go online and look for it uh, on uh, 
YouTube, you can find four or five little roundtable discussions uh, from the people who actually have done all of the work on the Legacy Standard Bible. And uh, they are excellent scholars. Scott and I, Scott, for, uh, Scott Basolo and I know some of them uh, personally, and it, it's, it's going to be very well done. Now, the thing that will uh, frustrate you is when it comes out, you won't be able to have it in a study Bible edition. Because a study Bible, putting together all of those footnotes and all of the introductions to the books and all, of, and all those cross-references and everything, that's another huge problem of uh, printing and, uh, well, research and printing and writing and formatting and binding and all of those, and all of those things. So um, you'll have to be like, um, like, like I was when I entered seminary and the New American Standard Bible, it had come out in the New Testament and I'd had that in a Bible study in college. I entered seminary, and the whole Bible in the New, New American Standard came out, and I was given a copy of it by the Lockman Foundation. I thought, this is good, and I'm probably going to adopt this as my go-to uh, version that I use, but all I had was the text of the Bible without, a, uh, without any footnotes, without any cross-references. So I would carry around my New American Standard Bible and my Holy Scoli, my Schofield Reference uh, Bible, which had footnotes in it, like probably the, the Bible study that, or the uh, study Bible that you had. So just be on the lookout. Um, uh, and as far as the choice of the word race there, I think today they would choose a different word and the legacy standard people did. All right, now let's stay with... Bible translations for the next question. Pretty simple. Please explain your dislike of red-letter Bibles. Um, I have made comments in passing about uh, disliking red-letter editions of the Bible. What a red-letter edition is, those are the ones that, that print the words of Jesus in red to distinguish them from the rest of the words of the Bible. The idea for this was first conceived in 1899, and the first uh, full edition of the Bible in red-letter edition came out in 1901. It became popular, and now it's pretty common. You go to buy a Bible these days, you almost always have an option for a red-letter edition, and in some cases, it's, a, it's defaulted to the red-letter edition. So, um, <coughs> you can, you can, it's very easy to find a red-letter Bible. Now, interestingly, I don't know of the practice of red-letter Bibles in any other language except English. So the fact that it's only in English and the fact that it never happened before 1900 tells you it's not inspired, and it's not uh, crucial, and it's, in a sense, not even important. Uh, obviously, it's not related to the, what the value of the Bible is. Now, I can understand why somebody would do that. Who is the centerpiece of Scripture? It's Jesus. It's, it, it's about Him. Everything points to Him. So, it's easy to understand the desire to identify His words. That's innocent enough. But there are some reasons why I think it's a bad idea. Uh, the most important problem is that red-letter Bibles introduce confusion about what is important. If you get um, uh, a, a letter from somebody, if you're looking at your bank statement online and something is in red, 
it stands out, right? So for at least for unbelievers and for untaught believers, it it implies that there is somehow greater authority to these words that are in red than all of the others. And as soon as you think that way, you've abandoned the fact that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I was given a, a Bible pretty soon after I came to know Christ, and I looked at it, I took it out of the box, and had nice, this nice binding on it, and it said right on the spine, red letter edition. And I thought, oh boy, I got the red letter edition. What's that? Okay, and, and I actually was prompted to go read the red letters. Well, they're equal in authority. So the, the possibility of confusion is... Uh, it, it, that's, that's a problem. The inference that there's something more authoritative because Jesus said it is a problem. There's a lesser problem in that you could uh, go out and buy uh, all the red-letter Bibles that you could find, and you could compare them, and there wouldn't be total agreement on which words are in red. Uh, I'm thinking especially in the Gospel of John, there are places where uh, Jesus is saying something, and then um, you get to the end of the chapter, and obviously John is saying something. Well, where did one stop and the other start? There were no quotation marks in the original, and so it, it, it can be also another level of, of confusion about it. And as you might expect, the very existence of the concept of red-letter Bibles has played a role in some people becoming fixated on the words of Jesus to an unhealthy extent. Uh, In our generation, there is a loosely knit movement, and you can hunt this down on the internet if you'd like, but there's a, and I don't necessarily recommend that, but there's a movement known as red-letter Christians. And it is led by fully woke neoliberal authors such as Tony Campolo and Jim Wallace. And they use the concept of red letters as if to say, okay, my red letters can beat up your black letters. And I like what the red letters say in this part, but I don't like what the black letters say somewhere else. And so my red letters cancel your black letters. Rather than saying, This is all the Word of God, and it all has to be understood in its context, and it all has to be harmonized into the the whole that that it really is. So my suggestion is that if you're buying a Bible, don't get a red letter edition if you have a if you have a choice. If you already own one, and I own several of them, make sure that you remember the red letters are by their very presence in essence inserting a commentary into the text, and you have to, you have to get by that. It, it can be confusing um, if, you, if you don't. Um, I had an interesting experience a couple of years ago when I got my new computer, and it caused me, because of the operating system, to upgrade to a new version of the Bible program that I use. And when I got the Bible program, set it up just the way I wanted to, and I opened it up, and there it was on my computer screen, the red letter edition. 
Now, the good news is it's a computer, and about three clicks, and I was able to get rid of it. But um, just, just, just be aware of it. Um, it's, not a, it, it's not a great big deal, but don't let it be confusing to you. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know, and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036, or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.